The documentary Leaving Neverland raises many questions about child sexual abuse and grooming and also about whether celebrity clouds judgment. Many people have been left in shock at the allegations lobbed at Michael Jackson in the documentary. Dr Nadia Wager is a reader in forensic psychology from Huddersfield University. She joins me now. Good morning to you, Dr Wager. Good morning to you. Leaving aside the allegations, because we, you know, it was a, it's very one-sided in, in the documentary, is there a wider issue about what parents, especially perhaps single parents, I suppose, because they're the ones who've been at risk in this country, is there, are, there, are there some commonalities in what we need to look out for when it comes to people wanting to inveigle themselves to get access to small children? Yeah, certainly if people don't have a legitimate access to children, they'll often groom the parents and it could be both parents, it could just be the father, but often it is single mothers because where there is separations of families, it tends to be the mothers that have the young children particularly. And so, I mean, they will be groomed first in order to get access because we don't readily give over our children. Um, So... It will be maybe targeting people that are single parents. So some sex offenders actually say they intentionally target single parents because you know that people are worn out. You know, so the little things that you do, you become valuable to that family. um, And, you know, it just gives ease of access. Very easy to say to somebody, look, 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 my love, you go and have a bar tonight. You know, put candles on, put your feet up, put our sort of children out. You know, so you don't have to be out of the house for abuse to happen. You can be in the house. You can be in the next room and abuse can happen. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, don't think it is a case of having to leave children and go away away from them. It will be happening while you're in the house. And a lot of young children don't see it as necessarily wrong, especially if they have no knowledge of, of sex. No. I mean, how would a child know? I always say that there's an awful lot of things we do with children um, as parents that the children don't like. So I remember making mine eat Brussels sprouts, send them to bed when they don't want to go to bed, don't let them have sweets they want to have. And I think it's just yet another thing that they see that might happen that they don't particularly like, um, or they might like, you know, mm. and that's not to say that they shouldn't, but that doesn't stop it being wrong. But they wouldn't notice, many of the children wouldn't know to say. And they're also big on secrets too when they're seven or eight years old, aren't they? Yeah, and I think it's a big thing now to actually not encourage no secrets. Mm. I would say if you've got children, never talk about secrets. Maybe talk about surprises because you Mm. might hold something back from somebody and then surprise them with something nice, but not secrets. And it's very easy to get into that, isn't it? It's our secret. Yeah. Um, And I think we've got to stop doing that. Um, And that way, when people try to say a secret, it's something that if somebody ever tells you it's a secret, then you need to come and tell mummy, daddy, or teacher, or somebody. Because, mm. um, I, I mean, on a very, very minor level, um, years ago when I was about seven years old, a man asked me if I'd like to feel the mouse in his pocket. <laughs> and oh. it turned out not to be a mouse, but I didn't know that at the time because you don't know what you don't know. And it was, no. But it was dad's reaction was more terrifying than the mouse that wasn't a mouse itself. You know, it was his yeah. explosive reaction that terrified me, not, not the incident. And actually, when we look about, at the long-term impact of child sex abuse 
actually one of the one of the biggest risk factors is the reaction of others to whom you tell, particularly those early days. Um, and what we have seen is um, in this country, in every country, isn't it, mm. when a lot of children have disclosed over the years, they weren't believed. They weren't believed or they were blamed um, or it was just dismissed, um, which they just, that's the part that becomes really traumatic for them. It's more to do with the reactions of somebody they've trusted to tell. You know, they've chosen this person because they believe that they will help them. Um, mm. and, and you get this bizarre reaction. And I think one of the worst things, and it's unintentional, that when people hear about child abuse, there's an initial disgust. Now, unfortunately, our facial expressions, the disgust facial expression is universal and mm. we do it automatically. Mm. And unfortunately, from a child seeing that, they're not recognising as the other person's disgusted, disgusted with the perpetrator. It's much more about, I'm disgusting. Mm. So um, I think that there, there are real issues in the way that we have handled disclosures from children. Yeah, I was more concerned that I'd upset Dad, you know, made him angry yeah. and sad. You know, it, I thought it was my fault. But it's it was complicated too in that quite often if, if the sex acts aren't coerced and there is no threats or violence involved, the feelings of the child for the abuser are incredibly complicated. Yeah, I mean, this, this could be somebody that's very lovely in their lives. You know, they've had lovely outings with them, they've you know, shared confidences with them. The person's possibly really boosted their self-esteem, which is all part of the grooming, um, which is why it becomes really hard when that person then leaves them because they've moved on to another child. Um, and there's a real sense of abandonment, rejection, um, and this real sort of it's still love. And I, I remember interviewing somebody a few years ago about their experience of disclosure, but he... He was a young, a very young boy at the time, and it was actually other children that were abusing him. And he just said, well, all the other children rejected me, but they said they'd carry on playing with me if they could do this. Um, just so just really sad. Yeah, really, really sad. So what are and some... I because we, oh, I'm sorry, sorry, please go on. No, I just think one of the issues is, is particularly for young children, we haven't given them the words or opportunities to actually just bring this up and to know that it's wrong. So what are the absolutes that parents can take away when it comes to protecting their children from kind folk you know, who give the appearance think, of being kind? I mean, it's easy to warn against the, the predatory, violent stranger. Yeah. But when but it I comes think, to protecting them from people who, who are cunning and manipulative, what are the absolutes? I think if you've come across somebody that just feels too good to be true, you know, God, this is a lovely, lovely person. I you know what would I do without them? Just too good to be true. Then I think that should set off alarm bells. Being honest, most of us find our own children hard enough to cope with when they're young. We don't naturally gravitate to wanting other people's. Yeah. You know, that is just not in us. We we find other people's children more annoying than our own, um, harder to deal with. And so, actually, if somebody seems to be doing really, really well, I would just and you don't have to accuse everybody of sexual abuse in the children. You just become aware um, and just see what happens if you if you say no on occasions um, to them coming round and just seeing if they start to move to another family. And you um, would never, ever let a child sleep in an adult's bed, surely? No, 
But, <laughs> but once once you've been groomed, um, it's amazing what you would do that you wouldn't normally do. Really? Yeah. And it's a bit like if you, you know, sort of like domestic violence. It comes on gradually, right. gradually, gradually, wears right. you down. And if you've become more and more isolated from other people's views because this person's really taken a big role in your lives, actually their views count more. Right. Um, and you're not able to then sort of check them against anybody else's views. And um, particularly if you've got the child saying to you, cause, because then, don't forget they will be using the child also to help in the grooming. You know, please, please, mum, you know, I really want to, you know. Um, you might just think, oh, yeah, there's nothing wrong in that. Oh, my um, goodness. I mean, I just looked at those mothers in that doco and thought, what in the name of all that is holy were you thinking? But can I just all I kept thinking when I was watching it is, oh, bless them. Imagine what they feel like now. And, and hopefully if some good out of this kind of prurient, awful, awful insight um, comes out is that parents will learn from that. Yeah, I, th- I think generally people are not, it's something that happens elsewhere to other people. And people are really, really shocked when you talk about the prevalence rates. So I remember many years ago presenting it to a group of engineers and they said to me, oh, you've got your statistics wrong. Now, there's no way it can be you know, between a quarter and a fifth of children have experienced child sex abuse. And I said, no, actually, that is what the figures say. Um, and if you think about that and you've got three children in your family and you've got a couple of nieces and nephews, then chances are at least one of them has been sexually abused or will be at some point. Um, and it's recognising it is something that's close to home. Um, it can affect any of us. And it doesn't mean to say that we're bad parents or you know bad aunties and uncles, but we just need to be aware of the signs. And I think it's hard with the people that really groom because the children will have nothing to say because they will love this person. They're not going to be scared of them. All the things that we'd naturally think. Whereas there are other sex offenders that are, are less good in their grooming, for want mm. of a better word, where the children might start to say little things like, do we have to go to so-and-so? Yeah. And as parents, I, I can remember myself saying something like, of course we do, just get in the car. Yeah. Um, and really what you need to do at that moment, when somebody says, do we have to, or I don't want to go, you need to take them aside and say, why don't you want to go? You know, And start asking um, the questions. And, yeah, and allow them to say it's just asking a question. I remember um, what sort of the study I did on disclosure. People were saying they never told because nobody asked them, and lots of people said if only somebody had said to me what is wrong. You know, I did lots of little signs that people should yes. have known something was wrong, but nobody asked. Brilliant. Thank you very much for your time this morning. That is Dr. Nadia Wager from the University of Huddersfield News Talk Centre.